Pasha's Tildes, this year, this evening is Lilan Ishmas. I don't know, I think Rustas Malka, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, we'll get it corrected later. But I have thought, you know, then we'll have a bit of an Shkedish Kislev itself starts on Machachedish Sunday. Two days of Shkedish, which is not a standard. Shkedish Kislev, Shkedish Cheshvan. Shkedish Cheshvan doesn't always have 30 days to it. Pasha's tale is a very, very rich Pasha. Salam. Look at this guest. Wow, 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 wow. How are you? Have a seat, guys. Welcome, welcome. Have a seat. Make a bracha. Take off the table, both of you. This is a very rich passion. It's very apropos for David Yardside. It's being recorded. It's on the internet. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. You can take it from there. Okay, record it again here. Ancestry-wise, if we look at... Ela Tilis Yaakov. Ela Tilis Avram Avram Tilis. Ela Tilis Avram Yitzchak Yitzchak Yaakov. Back and forth, the Pasha, the Pasha goes back and forth with who was born to whom and what was born, who is whose son. And Rashi looks and says, you know, the poor Ben Chumash the Mikra is very confused. That poor boy that's learning Chumash the first time, he gets confused. Ela Tilis Yitzchak Ben Avram, Avram Hedris Yitzchak, obviously. If it was the son, the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avram, so then what do you mean Avram gave birth to Yitzchak? It's repetition. And Rashi gives us the explanation of the simple Ben Chamesh the Mikra. Because the Ben Chamesh the Mikra has a little, little issue. He's five years old. 
He's not a Dunitera, but he's very, very astute. Today you walk in, you see the five-year-old that's learning Chumash, and he's just very learning how to put the words together. This child is very astute, not just astute in what he's learning here. He remembers everything that he learned before, and as he comes across each Pasuk, he wants to know exactly what's going on there. And so too, when it comes to the Pasuk, Ela Tildes Yitzchak ben Avram, he wants to know why does this have to tell us again, Avram Hilarus Yitzchak. And his simple answer, says Rashi, is because they were the Tzone Hadir. They were the clowns of the generation. And the clowns of the generation said, You all know Avram is a hundred years old. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call it, let's be real. Hundred year old guy's gonna father a child all of a sudden. For 99 years, he couldn't do anything. 100 years, he's all of a sudden going to be able to become a father. Elamai, Sarah, found herself really somewhere else. Yezer with this. He must have been the father. So says Rashi, that God took Yitzchak and made his face exactly like Avram. And there were no doubts in anyone's mind that this was Avram's son. When it comes to a yard site, first question we ask a child, saying Kaddish for your parent, in this case for his mother, what does your mother say about it? Mother looking down at you, is she going, ah, Rug Bonim Gidalti, look at the child I raised, Barak Hashem, is exactly what I wanted my child to look like. Or is she saying, Wow, I never imagined my child could grow up to be such a great Talmud Chacham, to be such a chassid. Or is the person sitting in the Shama saying, I hope he can read all the words straight. Eile Teldes Yitzhak ben Avram, it's not just clustered ponov, not just the looks were the same. He had every attribute of Avram. And yet, he was the total opposite of Avram. Avram came from Chesed. And Yitzchak came from Gvura. Chesed and Gvura are total opposites. Chesed is kindness. And Gvura is strength. When you deal with your attributes, and you deal the way you deal out with somebody, Chinuch, education, is based on Yemin Mekareves and Smol Doicha. The right hand pulls closer, and at the same time, the left hand pushes away. How does that work? If a parent is only going to do for the child everything the child wants, we know what spoiled brats do, and how spoiled brats become. So every so often, there has to be a little, little patch on the hand. A little bit of atkam, till here we go. After that, we don't, we don't allow that. This is a very, very f- fundamental concept of Chinuch, but yet it's a fundamental way of the world. When God created the world, He was thinking what midah to use, which attribute should I use to create the world. The first thing that came to mind was Chesed. But then we looked at the world and said, if I create it in Chesed, kindness and goodness, my kindness and goodness will be spilled into the world. Anyone who does anything wrong, my kindness and goodness would say, okay, okay, okay. Look what happens when you keep telling everybody, okay, don't worry, don't worry. The world turned into Dera Mabel. The world turned into a generation that had to be destroyed by the Mabel, which is also connected to Nightshire. Elamai, let's create the world of Gvura. Everybody in boot camp. Everybody's got to have his hands and feet in the place, and nobody move, and nobody talk, and nobody move right or left, except for what we told you. The law of the Torah is... Now listen, the fact of the matter is, we have to do Torah mitzvahs. fact of the matter is, we have to keep Torah mitzvahs. The fact of the matter is, we have to do everything that it says the way it says in Torah mitzvahs. Do we sometimes deviate? Do we sometimes make that itty-bitty mistake, sometimes that itty-bitty... Aveda, 
that turns a little the wrong way? Of course we do. Of course we do. So now, if the world was created with Gvura, as soon as we did that mistake, boom, we'd be eliminated, destroyed. So therefore, God had to find a blend between Chesed and Gvura to see to it that the world can coexist. And this blend is labeled as Teferis. Teferis is a mixture of Chesed and Gvura, in essence. This Teferis, therefore, was ultimately translated into Yaakov. So Avram was Chesed, Yitzchak Gvura, and Yaakov was Teferis. The Medrash tells us in Moshal, a king was, re- was once given a gift, very fine crystal glasses. But they were very fine. And if you poured hot water, boiling hot water into them, they would burst. If you poured ice cold water into them, they would fog up. You wouldn't see their beauty. So the only way you could use them, that they should actually show their beauty, was by a lukewarm mixture. A slightly warmer than freezing cold. Which is drinkable. And also doesn't cause the glass to fog up and won't cause the glass to burst. This was the teferes that the world ultimately was created with. This is the teferes that ultimately the world runs on. This is the way that we have to understand the Yemin Mikareves and at the same time simultaneously Smeil Deicha. So here when Yitzchak takes over Avraham's entire kingdom, he takes over his legacy, and he continues the legacy of Avram. We have to find how he actually was managing to do that without rocking the boat. Avram was running a world of chesed. By Avram, everything, the world, he had the tent open from four sides. Everyone was there. He was always looking for guests. He was always looking at... So this is the pure chesed that Avram was spewing throughout the world. When it comes now to the Gevura, to the Gevura of Yitzchak Avinu, we have to know how did he actually manage it. So therefore the Torah tells us that Avram hated as Yitzchak. He didn't just father him, he gave birth to him. And everything he had, he put into him. All the Chachma, all the Midas, everything was into and related into Yitzchak. And therefore Yitzhak was able to continue the legacy. But truthfully, says the Taylor, that's not what we're really interested here. We'd like to continue Avram. Avram's chapter has now gone to pass, and we're continuing the chapter of Yitzhak. Yitzhak was 40 years old and he marries Rivka. And Rivka was 3 years old. So he had to wait until she was 10 years old. And then they took, took her to Chuppah. And then till, until years years later that they finally decided that Rivka could not carry a child. She could not become pregnant. At that point in time, tells the Torah, they started to dab. And at that point in time, Rashi tells us another very profound item that takes place. Yitzchak goes to one corner, Rivka to another corner, and Yitzchak's tefillahs were answered. Why Yitzchak over Rivka? Because the son of a, a tzaddik, the son of a tzaddik, his prayers are greater than the tzaddik, the son of a rasha. And since Rivka, unfortunately, was the daughter of not such a righteous person, therefore Yitzchak, not only his tefillah was answered, but his yuchsen, his, herit, his inheritance also helped along for the answering of the prayers. What about the whole thing with Rivka not embarrassing Rachel? That's Rachel and Leah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's next week. <laughs> Please stand by. Then Rivka comes into a dilemma. She becomes pregnant. She becomes pregnant, and a very awkward thing happens. Now, obviously, she didn't know what pregnancy is all about, and they didn't have Lamaz courses in those days. They didn't have the birthing courses. She runs into a dilemma. The child, when she walked by a shul, a yeshiva, started to bang. He wants to get out. When she walked by the Havdalah of Havdalah, a church, 
the child banged again. So Rivka was concerned that her child was Kito. She already analyzed. Today they do that, you should know. They go to therapists already with the babies in the womb. Have a family in Manhattan to be very friendly with. They had a dog once. That it was a cross between a Rottweiler and a Pitbull. And it was biting people. And they took it to a a veterinarian, a, psych, a psychiatrist, veterinarian. And the, the psychiatrist determined that the dog must have been abused and it was little. And that's why it was biting. It had nothing to do with being a cross between a rock. <laughs> that didn't occur to anybody. Because no, it was abused and it was a little puppy. That's why it now started getting violent. The, um, they tell a famous uh, story of the uh, thief that came into a house one night, in the middle of the night, breaks, in, breaks into a house. And he starts to look around, it's quiet. And he hears a voice, God is watching. And he stops. God is watching, that's, that's, that's a scary thought. And he thinks to himself, excuse me, I make a living doing this. I've been doing this for years. All of a sudden, God came into the dimension here? And he keeps going, and he keeps searching, and he hears again the voice. God is watching. Now he starts getting nervous. Where are these voices coming from? What's going on over here? And he starts to move a little bit, and he hears again. God, he takes his flashlight, he flicks it on, look around. Who's saying that? And the parrot says, me, Moses. He says, what idiot names his parrot Moses? Here's the parrot says, the same idiot that named his Rottweiler God. So, <laughs> when he found out what God was watching was, um, and that God he was definitely scared of. We don't, so Rivka here started taking the, wanted to go to a psychiatrist here for the children, for the child, banging to this way and banging to that way, banging to spirituality and banging to the extreme op- opposite. What's going on with this child? Is he so confused? And it turned out, you have two children. And one wants to go this way, one wants to go that way. A very interesting question that somebody once asked. In the womb of the mother, the child learns of the Malach. Learns of an angel. And the angel teaches him the whole entire Torah. So why would Yitzchak want to get out? How much more in the Yeshiva Shem ever would he learn... Then he was learning with a Malach. Yeah. Yaakov. Thank you. So the answer to the layman level is his study partner in his mother's womb was Esav. He said, no, I can definitely find somebody better than the Yeshiva Shevever. i got to get out of here. So it was the friend, it was the, the study partner that concerned him. And this is, that's also a lesson. It's there are sometimes the Hasidic jokes that also have lessons to them. And this has a lesson to it as well. To teach us that we have to be concerned with our study partner, who we, who we hang out with and when we hang out with them. We have a mathematical issue in this week's Parsha. The Pasuk tells us Yitzchak was 60 years old when Yaakov and Esau were born. Avram Avinu, we know, was 100 years old when Yitzchak was born. The entire transaction here where Esav sells his Bechera was the day of Avram Avinu's funeral. And we know that Avram Avinu passed away on the day of the Bar Mitzvah of Yaakov and Esav. Why? Rashi tells us that on the day of the Bar Mitzvah they started to part their ways. Vayidlu an Orim Yaakov went to Yeshiva and Esav went to Avedazarah. Idol worship. And uh, Yitzchak lived for 180 years. But Avram only lived for 175 years. He lost five years of his life, so he shouldn't suffer seeing his grandchild behaving this way. Okay? So now let's do the math. He passed away on the day of the Bamitzah. Even in those days, Bamitzahs were at 13. He gave birth to Yitzchak at a hundred. Sixty years later, Yitzchak gave birth to the twins. Avram was one hundred and sixty. 
And 13 is 173. It's a fashka. It's supposed to be 175 when he died. Did you answer that last week? Uh, so we spoke about it last week. But that last week was three years difference. It, was, it comes out, yeah. Well, it's wrong. So that's, in essence, I'm correcting that. So the correction that Rebbe says is because Yitzchak went to Gan Eden by Akedis Yitzchak for two years and therefore didn't age chronologically. And now, but Avram did. So Yitzchak was 60 when they were born, Avram was 162. So 13 years later, he was 775. The Pasuk tells us, though, Ekev Avram also refers to Ekev as 172, but he lived to 175 because he only recognized God at the age of three. To go off the, the Parsha moment, to go on to the date of the week, the date of the month, we're talking Shabbos Nevarchim, Chaydesh Kislev, the end of Chaydesh Cheshvan. The end of Chaydesh Cheshvan, for those of us who are keeping score at home, was when Nayak unloaded the Teva. When the rainbow showed itself. The table was opened up and the people, the animals, everything came out was the end of, of Chedesh Cheshvan. I mean, so by Chedesh Kislev, they were moving ahead. They were forging ahead in life. So in essence, we could almost say that this is Pachaja to Rosh Hashanah. It's similar to Rosh Hashanah. Because it's the new time, the new world began again. During the time of the Mabel, everything was wiped out, everything was shatuft, everything was washed away. And therefore the world now took a new look to it, a new Metzius. So therefore at this point, at this juncture in life, even though it's the ninth month of the year from Chedesh Nisan, it also has takes on a new dimension, a new era where the world started again from this point in time. Now truthfully, Adam and Chava started in the world. But Adam and Chava caused major havoc with the Chet Echadas, the sin, the tree of knowledge. And therefore, in order to fix this sin, it tra- had to go through, it transcended through Nayach. He started, he was the first one in righteousness in the world, but Avram is the first one to start to bring back what was lifted from the world. The Zayat tells us that when the Shekhinah rose off the world for seven levels. Now, unless you're into sci-fi movies, you're not going to understand what this means. Because we don't see the seven levels, the seven heavens, etc., etc. Although when we say Shema, when we say Hashem Echod, the word Echad is Aleph, is one, Aluf Eshalelam. Ches is in the seven heavens and the world, which is eight. And Dalet is the Arab Aruchot, the four directions. But what exactly that means and how exactly that translates, we don't see that. Avram is the first, brought back down the Shekhinah to one first level. Yitzchak brought it to a second, to a third, etc. To Meshach Rabbeinu. Not the lowest. The, the one that brought it down back onto the world was Moshe Rabbeinu because he had it in the Mishkan. That's when they saw the, the Shkina resting again on the Mishkan. So ultimately, the Aveda of Nayach, where he now rejuvenated the entire world, replanting, bringing Karbanas, the sacrifices that he brought, when they left the, they left the Teva, was now a new start to the world. So in essence, we should celebrate this Shabbos almost like a Rosh Hashanah. But the thing is, though, that we have to also remember that the mainstay of the Jewish preparations and actions is Besimcha. So although Rosh Hashanah, we are very serious, and although Rosh Hashanah, we try not to talk, Hara, we try not to talk at all, we try to say Tehillim and everything... But on this Rosh Hashanah, we have to be a little more besimcha. Because ultimately, that was the first thing that Nayak does. He plants the vineyard. The vineyard was to say the 
For this Rosh Hashanah, we should start on the right foot. Throughout the Parsha, we go back and forth with different parts of the stories here. First chapter, first thing that we have here is the great sale of the Bechera. Yaakov says to Esau, listen here, you are not worthy of being a Becher. A Becher is going to bring sacrifices to God. On the day of your grandfather's funeral, instead of coming to the funeral, you're the only one in the world that's not mourning. The only one that's not sad. You're running around, plant, hunting. For that, you, have to, you don't have time to go spend the few hours lamenting and mourning for your grandfather. And therefore, in essence, you should not have this Becher. So in that case, sell it to me. Very strange expression. Sell it to me like today. First of all, he says, let's do this clear like the day. No ifs, ands, and buts. What does Asaf ask for? He's hungry. Now the question is, first of all, Halitaini no means, could you please give me? We know Esau was a gruff chayera. We'd all of a sudden become pleased. How that fall into the dictionary? The no also could mean raw. Esau says, I'll eat it raw. I'm starving. Lentils are not really red. When they're raw, they start to cook. They have a reddish tinge to them. Once they're cooking, they're not red anymore. So he says red. Oh, the mother mother, you know, this thing was pushed raw. What does Yaakov give him? Lechem v'nezid adoshim. Bread and the lentils. So we know he was cooking the lentils because this was the meal after the Levaya and everything else, right? But if he asked only for the other mother mother, why did he give him bread? Very simple. The purchase price was a lentil soup. But at the point in time, Asa was dying of hunger. Had he made the purchase with the lentil soup alone, Asa would have come back later and say, I was against the ropes. I was dying of hunger. I had to take it. I had to make the deal. He, he was holding me back. I was going to die any minute. If I didn't have the food, that's why I sold it to him. And therefore, he would say, it was a Mekach Taz. No one big mistake. So Yaakov was smarter than that. Yaakov said, Kumankin, sit down and eat some bread first. Now you're satisfied. You're not really starving. You're not dying of hunger now, for sure. Because Lechem, you said, Lavenish. Lechem satisfies the person's soul. So now, Let's man the puzzle is not to argue about you're not dying of hunger, right? Yeah. Now let's negotiate. Let's make this clear as day. Now we're negotiating. I am becoming the Becher and you're becoming. There are a myriad of things to talk about in the parasha. We're going to try to squeeze in at least a few of them. king of Rome came to Atana once and he asked the missus who's going to be the end who's going to be the Mashiach so the Tana wrote on the posik, wrote down this Pesach on the table uh, from this Pasha he doesn't finish the last word which is Esav after this the other brother came out his hand was holding on to the ankle but he didn't write the words out. He wrote the acronym for each word. He wrote the first letter for each word. Vav, Chof, Yud, Aleph, Vav, Aleph, Vez. The gematria, the numerical value for those letters, is 46. 46 is also the numerical value. If we take Mashiach ben David, Mem, Bez, Dalid, is also 46. Also, Malchus based David 
is also Mem Beis Dalit 46. So, the Roman Emperor didn't see the word Esav in the word paper, so figured that the end would be Esav. Mashiach would come, but Esav would still be ruling, and therefore the Roman Emperor would still be ruling. The Tana left out Esav, because the Gematria comes out to Malchus based David, that ultimately who will rule, the Malchus based David would rule. But people were very, very, in those days you had to be very, very weary of what to tell the government. Again, the to today's days. You don't tell the government anything today. Whatever you don't tell them, they, they tell you what you wanted to say anyway. We'll jump to the end of the Pasha so we don't miss out on this phenomenal chapter in life. Yaakov pulls the ultimate stunt. And he comes to Yitzchak and he asks for the brachas. He asks for the brachas that Yaakov was about, Yitzchak was about to give to Esav. But he told Esav, go bring the food and we'll talk. So we look at the conversation, how it actually transpires here. First of all, we see that Yitzchak, Yaakov was not so, not so gutsy after all. He tells his mother, I'm scared. I don't want to do this trick. What happens if my father curses me? And she says, don't worry. I will accept your curses. The Pasuk says, Verifka Amrel Yaakov, Lamer. She tells her son Yaakov, as father was saying, Hineshimate Savicha, Medabrel Esav Achicha, I heard your father speaking to Esav, your brother, Lamer, saying. Now the question is, why would she repeat Lamer? Why does she have to repeat saying twice? This is a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, juncture here of what transpires. He turns and he says to Esav, bring me food. First of all, I want to let you all know, in case you don't know what date this is transpiring, this took place on the night of Pesach. It was Seder night. Esav goes to bring the food, and... Rivka comes up with a phenomenal plan and she puts on Esav's garment onto her son. Vatikach Rivka is big the Esav binah ha-godel ha-chamudais asher itob ha-boyiz v'talbeish is yakib binah ha-koton She took from her big son Esav and she put it on her younger son, smaller son, Yaakov. Now, she's automatically confessing here that Esav was bigger than Yaakov was. A phenomenal, phenomenal message tells us physically, Esav was much larger than Yaakov. And Rivka was putting on Esav's garment not knowing if she really was doing the right thing. Ironically, the garment fit. From Benah Godel, from that big son of Esav, the garment fit on Benah Cotton, the small son, Yaakov, the smaller one. It doesn't necessarily mean the chronological age, the older one or the younger one. Regardless, he was. He was older and younger, but that's not what he's referring to. He's refer- she's referring here Sorry. that she, the size-wise, that she never imagined that he would fit into the garment. When she saw that the garment fit him, she realized this is what God wants to happen. Now what happens over here, though? Meshigah. He comes to his father, He comes to his father and he says, Ovi, my father. He doesn't say another word. 
We said before that Rivka said two times in the Pasuk, Lamer, so to say, so to say. Why did he say so to say? Rivka listened to a conversation between Yaakov and a- between Yitzchak and Esav. Yitzchak said, go bring me food. Esav said, give me the bracha. So when you bring back the food, I'll give you the bracha. He says, but Papa, I know Yaakov. He's a sly character. He's going to sneak in here and steal it. Father said, Nichiro, don't worry. We'll make up a plan. But Papa, you're blind. Yes, Naim. I understand. Don't worry about it. Look. I'll feel your hands. I'll know it's you. Now, if Yitzchak, if Yaakov comes to steal the bracha, what will he try to do? He will come in here and put something on his hands. I should feel his hands. And then he'll try to talk. He'll try to imitate you. He'll imitate your talking, your voice, and your way of talking. Yaakov spoke much more refined than Esau spoke. So he'll try to talk in a grub voice, in a grub language. Don't talk like that. When you come back, talk like Yaakov. Imitate Yaakov's voice and imitate his way of talking. And this way we're going to fool him. So if I hear it's your voice, I'll know it's not you, I know it's Yaakov. Rivka heard the plan, and that's why it says in the passing twice, so to say, because she told him how to talk. She told Yaakov, talk normal. Yaakov said, I recognize my voice. She said, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for your voice. He's looking for your voice and for your language. So when he comes forth, and he comes in front of his father, first thing he says, Ovi. He wants to see, does it work? <laughs> testing, testing, one, two, three, where you get the microphone, testing. He's testing the water first. And the father says, I'm here. And he asks him, Miyatobani. And he says to him, Anechi Esav Becherecha. I am Esav Yebecher. Rashi says right away, Yaakov did not lie. Because the Benchamesh, the Mikra, throws up flags. You know, the football game, as soon as there's an infraction, they throw a flag. What are you talking about, says the Benchamesh, the Mikra? Yaakov blatantly lies and says, I'm Esav. He's not Esav. I says, no. Anechi, period. Esav becherecha. I am the one who's bringing you the food. The next sentence, Esav hu becherecha. And Esav is your becher. He's not lying that who he is. He is. Because Esav sold him the Bechorah. He directly asked him, who are you? He said, who are you? He said, Esav sold him the Bechorah. So he is the Bechorah. So ultimately, he had the right of Bechorah. But chronologically, Esav was still the so Esav is Bechorecha, but I have the rights to it. If the person sells rights to a land, they'll always say that was this guy's land, but he has the rights to it. This is in essence what we had here. The concept of Bechorah, the concept of firstborn, will always was Esav's. The right to it, the bringing of Karbanot and the first and the two Chalakim and the Yerusha and everything else, those Yaakovs. But just a quick question. So what, since when was uh, Yaakov considered like sneaky? Uh, he was, uh, oh, that's why we'll soon get, we'll soon explain exactly that. There you go. He had a Yiddish cup. Another story of the Yiddish cup. There are three people sitting on a plane. An Italian, Chinaman, uh, Italian, a Jew, and a Chinaman. And a fly came along. It landed on the Italian shoulder. So he flicks it off. And then on the Jew's shoulder. He flicked it off. The Chinaman looks at it, grabs it, eats it. They're getting... <laughs> Lo and behold, a little while later, another fly comes along. Again, the Italian flicks it, the Jew flicks it. Chinaman eats it. 
They're going crazy already. When the third fly came along, and the Italian flicked it, and the Jew had it on his shoulder, and the Chinaman is waiting, he's licking his lips, and the Jew grabs the fly and says, I'll sell it to you. That's the, the, Jewish, the Jewish ingenuity. Okay, anyway. So he comes and he says to him, only Ovi, that's all he says. He says, I am here, and now he sees that he's accepting what he's hearing, so he goes forth. You hurried up, he came very quickly, he said, I know you are hungry. He says, come, let me touch you. He touches him and he feels Esau's hands. And he hears Yaakov's voice. And there's the famous expression, Hakel Kel Yaakov Esav. The voices of Yaakov and the hands of Esav. And to this, we spend all our lives growing up, listening to all our principles and all our teachers telling this over and over to us. That Kol Kol Yaakov, Yaakov deals with his voice. Esav deals with his hands. You're not allowed to fight. No hitting. Every time you hit, this is the argument that you used to get in Yeshiva. Here he says though, the call is called Yaakov because that's what I told you to do. You're dying I told you I was going to check. So here he was appeasing Esav. And he blesses him. Ultimately, When he kisses him to bless after the blessing, Pasik says he smelled the reach of Ganeden. He smelled it was a very high level scent on this boy. Esav was a fellow a person of the fields. Yaakov carried the holy smell, the scent of Ganeden. So the question is asked How did Yitzhak know what the smell of Ganeden was? He didn't smell it before. He, maybe he did always smell it before. But now all of a sudden he smelled it. He wants to know how he got it. But the question here is, how did he recognize it? Where did he know the, of this scent? So this reverts to what we said before. Went he went to Ganeden for two years. By the, by the Akedah, he went to two years in Ganeden. And this is the proof that he went two years to Ganeden. This is how he knew how it smelled in Ganeden. So he gives him the bracha. And Rivka says, you better book it. Simple language. The first time anyone ever said, you better book it, it was Rivka telling Yaakov, you better get out of here. Esav comes along, and he says, where's my bracha? Bless me. Yaakov answers very strange. Yitzchak answers very strange. Vayeme ba'achicha b'mirma vayichach b'chasecha. Your brother came b'mirma. B'mirma technically means in a deceitful way. But the question here is, Esav brought him food. You asked me to prepare food. I brought you food. How could you be so insulting to me and not take my food? So you still take a bite. (laughs) You're full, but the guy brought you the thing. It was after the korban. uh, Which korban? It was after the Afikoman. How do we know? The Mirma is the same Gematri as Afikoman. Your brother already gave me the Afikoman. He's not allowed to eat after Afikoman. So therefore he came and he fooled him and he told and he says, Now I can't eat because I already ate the Afikoman. Therefore he couldn't have gone so he gave him, he gives him a bracha anyway, but not the bracha that he wanted. So what was that bracha that he gave him? Does anyone know? Which one? To Esav? Yeah. It says right here. It was that he was supposed to give to Esav. Whatever he gave to Yaakov. To be eaten the the famous bracha of eaten That's how we say it when we say... Uh, we don't say like Yaakov because Yaakov is giving the bracha. No, not now, no, no, no. In Hamalach Agoyel, Shem of Altai, Avraham Yitzchak. You don't say Hamalach Agoyel. 
That's a prayer that we say when we go to sleep at night. <laughs> oh, so you probably work all night, so you don't have a problem. Okay. <laughs> This is the only way to live. Everyone deserves the benefit of the doubt. So at this point, he screams, and he says, bless me as well. And he says, he gives, he gives him a blessing here, though. That someone once mentioned that, where did Esav go? Where did he tardy so long? If he was waiting to get his bracha, why did he run away? Why did he take so long to prepare the food and everything? Because he figured the bracha was all spiritual. He wanted the money. Show me the money. You're going to give me about being holy. I'm no rush to get that bracha. Let me, let me do what I have to out here. And when I get back, I'll get that bracha from you. That was the bracha that he got? No. Ultimately, the, he's heard that, Yitz, that Yaakov got spiritual and physical. He got brachas for both. That's what he was upset about. According to one day, he took his time on purpose. It's, it's, I also think in the form of a, of a joke, really. Yaakov, at this point, Yitzchak throughout the Pasha, though, has a very interesting Aveda, a service. Avram Avinu had dug many, many different wells. And the Plishtim closed them all up. And Yitzchak in Pasha opens them all up again. What transpires here? What exactly is all this about with the wells, with the closing, with the openings? Bashemtov once had two people, a husband and wife came to him. They were childless, one of the son. And they asked the bracha from the Bashemtov. Bashemtov thought and concentrated and said, I can't. When the woman heard this, she started to scream and to cry and to yell, you can't do this to us. The screaming, the yelling, shook the Bashemtov's essence. And Hashem said, you're going to have a son next year. And lo and behold, a year later they had a boy. On the second birthday, the child passed away. The mourning was incredible. Crying, yelling. And they came back to the Hashem to find out what happened here. And the Baal Shem Tov explained as follows. Many years ago, there was a tzaddik that passed away. He needed to fix something. What happened to him? The king in that time, not Jewish king, didn't have any children. And his advisors told him, you have Jews in your land. Make them pray for you to have a child. And tell them if they don't see to it you have a child, you're going to drive them out of the land. And the king did that. And the Yidin davened, fasted, and a month later he had a child. A month later? A month later she became pregnant, a year later they had a child. The child was born. And the child was brilliant. At a year old, it was walking and talking. So they found a galach, a priest, very, very intelligent, well-rounded priest, and he was the child's tutor. But the child was relentless. It just absorbed everything that was being taught. The priest had one stipulation in his job, that for two hours a day, he had to have his meditations. And he had to lock himself in his room, and no one was allowed to enter, even the king. But the king loved him because he was such a phenomenal teacher, and the child was flourishing, so he allowed him this. The child, though, being an astute student, and wanting to know everything from his teacher, 
couldn't take it. So one day before the priest went into his room, he ran inside, he snuck under the bed. He snuck under the bed, and the priest comes into the room and locks the door, locks the shutters, starts removing his cross from his neck, and removing all the crosses from the wall, puts in a little box, opens the shutter, puts out the window, closes the shutter. And all of a sudden takes out his white shawl, strings attached, starts to wrap himself and he's crying and crying. And then all of a sudden takes out his boxes and straps and starts putting them on. And he's, you can see, he's doing something with it, he's praying. All of a sudden, the boy was so in rapture from what he saw, he sneezed. The man hears this, he immediately took off his house tool, he wrapped it in stubborn in a drawer, and he starts to look under the bed and he sees the prince. And he begs him and pleads with him, don't you dare tell your father, because I'll be dead. The child said, no, I'm not telling you anything, but I have a deal. You have to teach me what this is all about. And so every day, nobody knew what he was teaching the child. They would learn Torah together. And they taught the child so much Torah, the child could no longer sit in the palace. The child said, I'm going off to Rome to study by the higher priests. The child went off to a Jewish land and converted and was never seen again. And ultimately became a big tzaddik. But this neshama was a simple neshama that became totally, totally changed neshama. So they came the Maila, there was no place for him. They didn't know what to do with this neshama. Neshama passed away after 120 years. They had nowhere to put him. And they realized they couldn't put him anywhere because of the years that he had eaten non-kosher. His soul was tainted. So they had to send back down this neshama to rectify that non-kosher meals that he had. The two years that you raised the child took care of all the years of the non-kosher. And therefore the neshama was not perfect. But since you were so devoted, and since you did such mourning over this child, the gzera was wiped off, the decree is wiped off for you, and you'll be blessed now with children of your own. This is what Yitzchak does for, for Avram. He dug up things that were totally, totally hidden from the world, the wells that were totally covered and filled, that had to be fixed, and all this had to be undone again, Yitzhak was able to do it in this very, very short time. So we should merit that this Ashkodesh should be a very happy Ashkodesh. And from this Shabbos, we should really show ourselves, as true told us, as children of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And God should send us the redemption, the Gula Mitzvah,